heavenly father. He's your daddy. And it's his team. And don't mess. Don't mess with his team. We could all think of some football coaches. And if someone on the team messes with his team, it's all over. Not allowed. Not even a little bit. So that's really important. This morning, we're going to see the flip side of it. What a wonderful thing it is when a father, a daddy, says, that's my kid, in a positive way. Sometimes my mother has said, that's Bill Spencer's kid. That wasn't positive. But that's my kid is positive. And in a spiritual sense, when God says that, it's the idea of a personal God saying, that is my kid. That's my boy. That's my girl. Those are my kids. And as a child, that makes you feel good when you get reaffirmed. When there's a healthy pride in that statement, that's my kid. That's my boy. And you're girl, you're sitting on the sidelines and you're watching a sport, you're watching a play, you're getting a report card, whatever it may be, uh, the way they did a job at the house, and you say, that's my kid, usually most children like to please their parents, at least in the beginning, at least in the beginning. And I, I side note, no matter how much trouble you may be having with your children at any time, as long as you're semi-being reasonable, they wouldn't think that, and they still have a desire to please you, there can be movement forward. The minute they feel you're being oppressive and it's impossible to please you, they're done. Why try? Why bother? So very important with that. So as a child wanting to please their parents, make them proud, and the same ought to be true with our relationship with God. And God, when he says, that's my kid, is personal. He sees you. Remember years ago, all three girls were playing soccer, and this was back in Concord. And uh, I don't know, they had like 20, 30 intramural teams, and it was Saturday, and you went to the middle school, and there was all kinds of things going on, and I can remember being on the sideline, and watching my girls and just having so much pride go there's my girls they're actually they're actually watching where the ball's going this is amazing you know they're they're paying attention and then all of a sudden I looked around and I realized wait a minute I don't recognize any of these parents who are these parents and I looked at my kids a little bit wait a minute those aren't my kids I was at the wrong game for like 20 minutes going yeah you know what a bad parent I am. God is not that way. God knows you, sees you, doesn't get the playing fields messed up. And some of us feel that he does get it messed up and doesn't see us. But that's absolutely not true. With Jesus, his son, his perfect son, he sees him. We read that he sees him. 
and he sees how he is responding to life around him. He says, then suddenly the voice of the father shouted. This is when his son was getting baptized. Great plug for getting baptized. If you have not gone public with your faith, believer's baptism, if you were baptized as a child, that was important for your family. But as a believer being baptized, this is what Jesus was doing. He was marking the beginning of his ministry. He was, in a sense, starting his public ministry. You and I are to take a stand and say, I'm going public. We only need to be baptized as a believer once. This is the son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. Again, it is like he is saying, there's my boy. There's my kid. And every time I read through the Gospels and come across this, you know, maybe it's a little too ambitious, but I would like to think God could at least kind of say that about me. There's my son. Other translations say, whom I am well pleased with. I, I, I would like that to be true for me. This is my son I love. My greatest delight is in him. And when it happens with the Titans, you can see there's a, there's a switch. First, who's your daddy? Whose team is this? The kids aren't buying it. The teammates aren't buying it. The coaches really aren't sure if they're getting it. And then it changes. Start celebrating. It's his team. He's leading his team. Remember in the story when they move in, they're a little concerned who these African Americans are moving into the neighborhood. And if you let the video play out, you're going to find that Coach Boone that night says he's brought ice cream home for his kids. Game is on the side. Again, he's owning. Those are my girls. That's my team coming together. That's, that's uh, phenomenal. You know, when we think about all of this, uh, I think about what expresses this. Jesus was uh, being obedient, and he was serving, and he was loving, and he was just engaged. And God had, in a sense, even though Jesus is fully God, it's, it's a little complicated, fully God, fully man, all of that. But this idea that uh, Jesus is following God's lead, he wants to honor the Father, he knows who's in charge of the team, knows the job that God has given him to do. And you and I may not be on the same world-changing level that Jesus Christ was. No matter if you believe in him or you don't, he did change the world. The world is different. Uh, history is Hugely different because Christ existed. Uh, it couldn't happen like this. Couldn't be just a figment of someone's imagination. Uh, a sea change in the world. 
we don't have time to do it, but you could see the difference that it made in the life of children, women, slavery, all of those kinds of things. If you track back hospitals, why are there so many hospitals that are tied with faith? United Methodist Hospital, Baptist Hospital, and in Boston there's a number of these. Uh, it was because of faith impacting the community. Uh, colleges, universities, on and on and on and on. So, so big change. Our impact, not the same, but we can join his story. And we're going to see there's some familiar wording, but this idea that God has shaped each one of us to say yes to him, gives free will, and then he gives us something to do. And rather than that statement being a burden, it should be a delight. It should be an opportunity. God includes you in me. He has something for us to do. In your message guide on the talk it over section, there's always this little section that says changing your mind. Sometimes it says choose a verse from the message guide and just meditate on it, uh, digest it, maybe memorize it. And this week, it's not in your regular notes, but it's over there. It says he has shaped each person in turn. Now he watches everything we do. Some of us, when we hear that, he's watching everything we do. But if you're a good parent, and your parent's involved in some extracurricular activity, when you show up to it, you're not watching to see how they blow it. You're watching to celebrate how they engage in whatever that is, a play, a concert, spelling bee, a sport, whatever it is. You're watching to see watching to see and if you're a over imaginary father like me I'm watching to go oh that's a little bit like me they just scored a touchdown no just not <laughs> but you know what I mean you're you're just watching them and that's a good thing so this idea of there is my kid is so important if you and I are Jesus followers if God says, there is my kid, and he says the same thing to us in a positive way because he's watching every move just to celebrate our lives, we, you, are most like Jesus when you are serving. Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to be served. Many of us are familiar with that little concept. It's just a big concept. He didn't come to be like a king, like we think of a king, where everyone serves him. He came to be a king and serve the nations, the world, to, to give his life. Usually people die for kings, not kings dying for the people. So when you and I think about we are most like Jesus, if we're supposed to be like Jesus, we're supposed to follow Jesus, then there should be some kind of serving element in our lives. Again, not to feel bad, but to feel lifted up. To go, God cares about me so much that he wants me to be a part of the game. He's saying, you know, on the coach, coach, put me in, put me in, put me in. He's like, I will put you in. And I've wired you to be put into the game in such a way, it's like a present I've given you. And when you get put into the game, now everyone has different capacities. You jump into the game, he's there with you. 
the greatest sin. I know when I played a little soccer, I'm playing a little lacrosse, I'm happy that my dad actually wasn't like running with me. Come on, go, 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 you know. But, but God is actually with you in the game. So Paul, writing to the church of Galatians, says this, or Galatia, says this, make a careful exploration, help me, thank you, of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Not who you're not. I'll be very frank with you. The fact that I could not pronounce that word embarrasses me. And every once in a while in the audience, you know, congregation, uh, online, I, can, I get stuck on a word. That's, that's how God shapes me. And I either can be angry about it or say, well, that's, that's just sometimes there's just a disconnect. I have dyslexia, a couple other things going on, a couple other things not going on. And I get stuck on a word. And sometimes I use simpler words because I have a more complex word and I know it would, it would, it's more accurate, but I have to skip it and use another one because I can't pull it together. And I, I tell you something, so just practice. I practice, and the more I practice, the worse it gets. So if sometimes you hear me say a Bible name and you've never heard it said that way, there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Bear with me. And then sink yourself into that. Each of you must take responsibility, we hate that word, responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. It's your responsibility, it's my responsibility, it's not somebody else's responsibility. Maybe there's been some circumstances that cause you to walk with a limp. But ultimately, that might be a part of God's plan. So do the best with what you have. And say thank you. I bring this to the table. It's not all this. I wish I was that person. I wish I was that person. This is what I bring to the table. Be creative with it. Engage with it. And that's awesome. God gives us that ability to do that. So last week when we were talking about this, we talked about playing for your daddy's team. Actually, it was two weeks ago. Uh, if you missed that week, you can go back and take a look at it. Towards the end of uh, that sermon, that message, we talked about you play like this world is not your team. You play like you're not in a holy huddle. You play like the wind depends on you. And that last one, some of us will say theologically, wait a minute, nothing depends on me. It's God working in me. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But you need to come fully to whatever he's called you to do. For whatever reason, when you show up, or don't show up, it affects the outcome. And it's not that it's because God's like, you know, just blown away by that. Oh, I couldn't get that done because so-and-so didn't step up. No, no, a lot of times God will bring somebody else up and you miss out on the opportunity. But, but engage. Play hard. Be, have a, be as uh, into it as you are in other things. What's important to you? I love iPhones. I love Sorry, and some of you are going to say, well, Apple's a company that's not good. No, none of the companies are good if you really take a look at it. Okay, give me a break, okay? I love iPhones, and I waited. I have a 12, and I've ordered the 15, and I'm waiting October 23rd for the 30th of September. 
It was very nice. I ordered one for Cindy, too. She had a tag. I don't feel I have a tag. I have to call. But anyway, that's another story. But I'm into it. I know how that thing works. I like all the little cool things on it. Do I bring that much passion and excitement to other things? It's easy for me to say iPhone, you know, but some of you bring way more passion to your golf game than you do to your faith. Some of you bring more passion to your garden than your faith. Some of you bring more passion to your cars than your faith. Your horses, your animals, maybe sometimes your kids. Your kids, your family is your first ministry. You've got to sort that out. But God is first. You play like the wind depends on you. You're all in. Many of us are familiar with this concept, shape. It's just a tool. Don't get all hung up on it, but it just gives us something to hang on when we're thinking about serving to be like Jesus so that God takes notice and says, there's my kid with pride and satisfaction. So purpose-driven life, uh, if you have a copy of that, I think we have a copy in the library, at least one or two, on page 226, talks about this in depth, just hitting it high, fast, embracing your daddy's given shape. He gives us a shape. Your hands have shaped me, Job is talking to God, and made me. The people I made, especially for myself, a people custom made. Do you know you're custom made? You're custom made. All the little pieces, all the little nuances, the way you look at life, all those kinds of things, the way your abilities, what you can do, what you can't do, you and I are custom made. God is seeing us. He's not at the wrong field watching the wrong soccer game saying, there are my kids. He knows who you are. And he's custom made you for the life that you are in. You may say, I don't like how I'm custom made. Take it up with him. But you need to come to terms with your custom made. You may not like the way life is unfolding. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you come on church on Sunday or you see someone out there, none of our lives are together. When you hear people's stories, you find that there's all kinds of things that happened in their lives. That shouldn't make you go, oh, well, I guess I'm not as bad as that person. But what it should make you do is we all have stories. There's no one that's skated totally scotch-free through this broken world. We all have stories. And God custom makes us, helps us see what's going on. And so he gives us freedom. He gives us freedom to use our lives as we would like. He doesn't pressure us to do things. Just make sure that you don't use your freedom as excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Sometimes we put ourselves in bondage, put ourselves in slavery. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Using your freedom, using your resources, using who you are, your ability to navigate through life, trying to figure out how can I serve others in love. 
For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That is an act of true freedom. Some of us don't buy into that. Some of us say, if I love others as I love myself, it's going to take away from love. I don't buy it. I don't want it. That makes me actually a slave. Now I got to do these things. Now I'm a slave to love, and you know I kind of want to do my own thing. And now I'm stuck doing this nice thing, which I really don't want to do. And you know, it it doesn't seem like an act of freedom. If it's not an act of freedom for you and me, then I need to check what's going on in my heart. Often it's me that's the problem. And God has not called us to take care of every single need. Jesus is an example of that. Jesus didn't didn't take care of everything. There were things that were, from a perspective, left undone. There was a person that was number 75 in the line, and he stopped doing things with number 74. And that that seems like, how could that be? But if you look at, then why were there unhealed people even in the Palestinian area in Jerusalem? There were people that were left unhealed. And a lot of people that were healed eventually, well, all of them did, eventually died. So, so the healing was temporary. So it's, it's, not, it's not putting a guilt trip on you. It's putting a, I have an opportunity to live like Jesus. I live like Jesus when I'm serving other people out of love. Now, it's interesting. The next verse, it's right after these verses, is a somber warning. When you're not this way, this is what happens. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. And no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? This idea when we're not in a loving community, when we're not working on this, we start to bite at each other and we start to annihilate each other. Some of us have experienced church world where this kind of thing has happened. Love took a second seat to programs, to persuasions, to preferences, to certain people, and all of a sudden love went out the window, and this happened. And the church implodes. So if you want to be like Jesus, if you want a that a boy, a that a girl, you want to get that's my kid, then we need to serve the best of our ability like Jesus. So real quickly, the shape acrostic goes like this if you say yes to christ each of us receives at least one spiritual gift we can over complicate this you have something to contribute to the body of christ have a little definition in there for building up the church not the building but building up people people make up a church not a good word church it really should be assembly but we're stuck with it so we just kind of go with it the building up of the assembly of the people our friends at the assembly of god church have their name better than our name that name church it should be assembly but this idea again of building people up Uh, passage after passage talks about spiritual gifts out of the generosity of christ not out of the burden, not to lay some guilt trip on you. Each of us has been given his own gift, something to bring to the table. And some of our frustration and anxiety and irritation and negativity 
is that we're not using the gift Christ has given us. When we don't use the gift that Christ has given us, there's tension. There's restlessness. And then we express that restlessness in all kinds of different ways. Some of us express the restless, restlessness by going to buy something, do something, uh, kind of distract us from the fact that we're not answering God's call. We're not using the gift. Uh, you know, a, a gift without expression uh, causes depression. Uh, somebody has said that, not me. I don't know where it's coming from, but that idea. So in your message guide, there's a little link. Don't spend all day trying to figure this out, but there's a little link. If you want to figure out, have a little more focus on what your spiritual gift might be, uh, there's uh, Mecklenburg Church down in uh, North Carolina. Uh, you can link it to that, and you can check it out. And uh, just get some explanation on that. That's just a helpful tool. It's a tool. If it doesn't, like, all line up, don't, don't freak out. It's just a tool. Someone said, how can we come up with some techniques to help people figure out what their spiritual gifts are? Here's a, here's a, here's a tool. Now, when I was a kid in the 70s, way back, not 1870s, 1970s, but when I was a kid in the 70s, the spiritual gifts was a big deal, and they had, like, like 10-year tests, you know, you'd go to take take all these seminars to figure out your spiritual gift. You get them done. You wouldn't really know what you did, but you spent all this energy on it. Half of it, more than half of it, just do something, and you'll figure out what you're gifted at and what you're not gifted at. But, but this tool will help with you. Also, there's this idea of heart, what you have a passion for. What's great is God gives you passions, and you can use those passions. Isn't that great? He goes, oh, I have a passion for this. And he goes, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know you really like that. I've wired you that way. But I'm going to make you do this that you have no passion for. That wouldn't be a nice God. I mean, sometimes you get stuck doing things you don't like to do. But, but he's, he's wired you. When I was younger and healthier, I just loved backpacking, camping in the winter, skiing, all these kinds of things. And I got to do those as my job. And they paid me to do it. Awesome. My heart's passion was to be out there. And that, that was just great. Think about what your passions are. Dovetail them with serving. Now, some of us, there's talk on whether this is appropriate or whatever, but there's something called an Enneagram. Some people are like really into this. Some people are like, ooh, that's not good. You know, it's just a tool. I know my daughters can tell you what number they are. I can never remember. You're an eight, you're a one. I'm like, what are you talking about? But they, they know all this. I've taken other tests, but this is kind of the one that's, on the forefront right now. But again, that's just to, to help you. This is a free one just to try to, to figure out who you are. Chances are most of you already know this, but, but this is just, again, a tool. Also looking at your abilities. What natural abilities do you have? Uh, back in the Older Testament, uh, God gave uh, the people of Israel abilities to, to make the tabernacle. I've given abilities to all the skilled workers to make everything. I've commanded, and it's great. A friend come over, help uh, a couple friends come over and, and help build this retaining wall out of like these 3,300-pound, they call them machia blocks. I wonder if there's somebody in those blocks. Anyway, there might be. There might be, there might be 10 bodies inside of my house. I don't know. But anyway, and uh, they knew how to do all these things. They got this like thing to measure things, to make things are even. I would have, like, taken out the house. I would have ruined the equipment. That's just not my thing. And uh, 
Yeah, you know, and so, so, so what do you do with that? Everybody's got abilities. You've got gifts. Lean into them. Celebrate them. God made you that way. He shaped you that way. Personality, same kind of thing. Kind of goes with the Enneagram, personality. For God created my most inner being. First time I read this, I go, well, I think he made my, like, my, my liver. He made my liver and my kidneys and my, you know, whatever. All those inner parts that I never want to see. But uh, he did. But he also made my heart, my, my insides, my personality, how I look at life. He made my innermost being inside there. God works through different ways, different purposes. He uses all of us together. Also, there's this idea of having experiences, your triumphs and your failures, your, your heartaches. Remember today when you have learned about the Lord through your experiences. All of us have different experiences, good, bad, and different Galatians, we are all, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. Don't waste a bad experience. Don't waste a good experience. Don't waste a mediocre experience. Use them. Use them. They have all kinds. You can have a list and go on and on. Family, educational, work experiences, spiritual experiences, ministry experiences, painful experiences, whatever they are. Like what Henry Nguyen says, he says, this asking what has wounded you is like asking what has made you. Don't let that fly by you. Asking what has wounded you is like asking what has made you. I remember one in one of the Star Trek movies, uh, Captain Kirk said the same thing. I like how he said it better, but I figured I'd be more spiritual than using Henry Nguyen. But anyway... So we have this shape, we accept it, we embrace it, we also lean into your daddy's given sweet spot. Since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioned parts in Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Awesome. Finding your sweet spot got this in your notes you've got your opportunities you've got your giftedness you've got your passion and in the center is your sweet spot now when you think about your sweet spot i want you to be take heart or know this uh, uh this isn't to make serving consumer driven okay it isn't just the things you like to do. All of us serve in areas we don't like to do. That's okay. It's a part of the deal. I don't like making the bed. And I make the bed. I didn't make it this morning, but I make it most mornings. I like, you know, making it just right. And But there's one part that there's a line for me about making the bed is I hate stripping the bed. Because I hate having to put it back together after it's washed. I hate sticking the pails in the pails. I, I hate doing that. And Cindy thinks that the bed should be stripped like every other day. I'm a like once a quarter guy. Okay? <laughs> Unless I've been eating in bed. Okay? And, uh, you know, so I'm a once a quarter guy. So 
we have this battle. She'll say, hey, oh, strip the bed, don't make it, I'll strip it, blah, 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 blah. And then I go ahead and make it anyway. Sometimes I forget. So in a recently, being a good husband, I hate making beds, I hate stripping beds, but you do things you don't like to do. We're not consumer-driven only in the house. Occasionally I empty the dishwasher too, but of course I messy the dishes up, so I guess that's a good part I do. But anyway, that's another story. I stripped the bed, washed it, put everything back together, and I said, aren't I a good husband? She's going to come home and say, did you strip the bed? No, but I, I, yeah, I did, and it's all done, washed, all that. Didn't say a word to me. I go into the bedroom a couple hours later, and the bed is stripped. <laughs> I hear the washer machine going, no! I did it for absolutely no reason. Pray for us. Still mad at her about that. She's like, well, you shouldn't have been. I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> We all do things. Don't be consumer driven. This isn't a magic formula. 70% of what you ought to do ought to come out of your shape in your sweet spot. And then there's other stuff that's just junk, and you just got to do it, like strip the bed. So, if we really care about God saying, there's my kid, we realize that our daddy gives us the best presents and his presence. And having the best presence without his presence isn't really a gift. Presence without dad's, daddy's present really isn't a gift. So he just hasn't given you these things to go off on your own. He's given you these things to work with him and be about. So when you and I take what he's given us, in a sense we're wearing your daddy's clothes. There was a time period where the girls would get into my sweatshirts and such like that. I didn't like that mess up my stuff and then they'd wreck my stuff so anyway his clothes included but uh you know we are called to wear our daddy's clothes and these clothes you have heard some of you have been around a little while have heard these things but uh, we need to make sure that we're not wearing a bib that's that's baby clothes it's fun feeding rivers and that kind of thing but that's a baby thing when he's 35, I hope he's not wearing a bib, unless he's eating lobster, but uh, that's another story. You know, when we put ourselves first, as long as you grab for what makes you feel good, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything's going your way? Isn't that the way babies are? That isn't to be the way you and I as Christ followers are. We're not to wear bibs. We're not to be a baby. Also, we're not to wear a cape. Ta-da! Here I am. I'm super Christian. That's what I wear. Of course, it reminds me of this guy. White hair. China guy. Oh, he had a great look. Oh, the cape and the boots. No cape. Isn't that my decision? Do you remember Thunderhead? 
fall, storm power, nice man, good with kids. Who is he? November 15th, the 58th. <laughs> All was well, another day saved, when his cape snagged on a missile thing. Thunderhead was not the brightest bulb. Stratogale, April 23rd, 57, cape caught in a jet turbine. Hmm, you can't generalize about Meta Man, Express Elevator, Diner Guy, Snag on Takeoff, Slash Down, Sucked into a Vortex. No case! Don't worry, I know this will be finished before your next assignment. You get it? No case. Some of us as Christians think we wear a cape. Some of us only get involved in the things when we get to fly around with a cape. No case. Wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. Make that sense. Doesn't mean you don't have value. Doesn't mean you don't bring something fantastic to the table. But your understanding of it, you think you're zipping around as a superhero with a cape and everybody else is substandard when it comes to their Christianity, you're in trouble. And that cape is going to get you stuck someplace. We're called to wear aprons. Some of us have seen the imagery of Jesus bending over and washing the disciples' feet. That is an apron. An apron. Serving. Serving. In another video clip, I'm not going to show it, I know it's so terrible, Second Incredibles movie, Mr. Incredible takes a back seat, lets his wife go out and shine. And as he's talking to his wife, and his wife is on the phone, thank you for giving me these opportunities. And he's going like crazy at home with the kids. I mean, crazy. And he's talking to his buddy. This is what we hear. I've got to succeed so she can succeed, so we can succeed. When was the last time you asked that for the people around you? That person has got to succeed. I've got to succeed so she can succeed, so we can succeed, which means taking a second seat. And all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. Kevin was going to be here, Kevin Rector, but he's not feeling well, and we're going to show that video, and we'll show it another time, regarding worship arts. Lots of needs in worship arts. Um, Mike mentioned Awana. These are hard days. People are busy. Some people are rightfully busy. Some people are busy at the things where they probably could take a back seat to those things so they could serve a little bit. We got a lot of things to pull off here. Uh, we really do believe in making a difference. We really do believe in loving and living like Jesus. And that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with just even good offerings. These people, these boots on the ground, we need people to wear aprons. We need people to go to bed tired because they put a hard day in at work and then they came and did something for the Lord connected with the church and connected outside the church. 
It's got to be both of those things, not one or the other. There's not a, a meter, 50-50%, but both of those things ought to be reflected in our life. We've talked about this before. It's, it hinges on our spiritual growth. If you and I aren't serving, there's something up with our spiritual growth. We're, we're, it's just not about reading the Bible and knowing Bible stories and knowing verses and theological things. There's got to be service. It's more than just filling slots when I talk about it. It's, it's, about, it's, about, it's about growing and serving and being satisfied through our service. In the back of your message guide is another one of those little QR codes, and you can see a list of things uh, to help with. So when you and I wear a cape, I mean wear an apron, uh, we make ourselves available to serve. We pay attention to needs. We do our best with what we have, not with what we don't have. We do every task with equal dedication. We're faithful to the ministry or service that we've been called to, that we've agreed to do. We maintain a low profile, no cakes. You see, Daddy gives the best presents and his presence. And presence without Daddy's presence really isn't a gift. It actually becomes something that we cripple with and stumble over. Let's pray as we get ready for communion. Uh, those online, if you could have your communion supplies available, if you didn't get one on the way in, uh, Paul will be out back. The worship team's going to come and lead us in singing, but let's uh, pray first. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that someone served us, beginning with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He served us, and it made all the difference. Father, we ask that you would help us to live in such a way that we look at life as an opportunity, as a possibility, and we wouldn't look at it as a drain, oh, I've got to do this now, but it would be a joy as we express our faith with the gifts you've given us, and we enjoy your presence in using those presences. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.